0: Don't back down, don't give up, stay professional, because that that helps both sides as well.
1: Hi there, this is Lisa Gonzalez from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast. We often talk to experts in telecommunications, but seldom do we get the opportunity to talk to someone like Mark Creekmore. Mark is a technical consultant for a major IT company, but he's also a concerned citizen from the state of Georgia. Like many others, Mark had problems with his internet service provided by Windstream. When he took steps to solve his own issues, little did he know he would eventually be testifying at the Georgia State Legislature as a consumer advocate. Mark's strategy, documenting his experiences and sharing his findings, is one of the best ways to create positive change. Mark details his methods and describes how shared experiences, tenacity, and a little noise can go a long way to make things better for all of us. Here are Mark and Chris.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today we're we're changing it up a little bit. Uh, we have on the show Mark Creekmore, a tech consultant for a major IT company, a concerned citizen, and someone I became aware of because of a tremendous amount of work he's done in Georgia to bring light to a, uh, a bad broadband situation. Uh, welcome, Mark.
0: Good morning, Chris.
2: Um, very excited to have you on the show. We've been trying to do this for six months and I've never uh, was able to connect with you unfortunately but um, we be- I became aware of you around the situation with uh, Windstream pushing a bill in Georgia to try and limit local authority to build the network um, and that in researching that and seeing what was going on I became aware of your efforts um, to pressure Windstream into improving your connection um, so why don 't we start? Can you just tell me a little bit about um, your history as a as a windstream customer?
0: Sure, sure. I moved into uh, the community here, Dawsonville, Georgia, um, over four years ago, and um, at the time, um, I was negotiating with my fiance where we were going to live and and told her that uh, if if I was going to move to Dawsonville, I needed to know that uh we had a good internet connection there because i often work from home and uh often uh, remote in with customers and and uh do remote uh, consulting so it's important for me to have a connection that's stable um, about uh, uh 6 months into um, my my time here in Dawsonville i noticed that my speed started dropping consistently in the evenings usually around 4 p.m. and, uh, and this was, uh, a continued thing. It was not sporadic. It, it started happening every night.
2: And so for those who aren't familiar, Windstream is a, uh, it's a large company. It serves a lot of, uh, predominantly non-metropolitan areas. Uh, a lot of customers in Georgia, Arkansas, there's some in Minnesota, but it's a, it's a fairly large company that does DSL in a, in an area which it's hard to do DSL. So uh, as a technical person, I'm sure, uh, you weren't all that surprised. But what i really what I really wanted to talk bring you onto the show for is that in in most of our work we 're focused on how communities can can work together collectively to build a network and I often hear from people who are individuals who don 't know what they can do. You know wh- whether they don't have support in their community for doing something more substantial, or they just ha- they think that that's many years down the road. They need a, a sense of what they can do in the short term, and so I want to go through uh, exactly what you did um, to try and document your problems and improve it. So, so with these slower speeds, what did you do?
0: Well, Chris, at first I did I think what a lot of people do. I, I called Windstream's tech support and uh, asked what was going on and. And when my speeds would be improving, and and this led to uh, a few interchanges uh, with them over the phones. And long story short, um, it seemed like every time I called, I got a different answer and a different ETA as to when they thought they would have me fixed. Um, at at first, uh, I wanted to believe that what they were saying was true, so I waited uh, for the first ETA that they gave me, and and I never got fixed. At that point, as you just uh, mentioned, I decided it, it's time to do more. So um, the first thing I decided to do was document every single bit of communication I had with them, whether it was with a tech support agent or, um, or online. Um, I, I, I wanted to have uh, the person's name, uh, the uh, amount of time that we spoke, everything that we said between each other, all of that documented, as well as um, my speeds consistently uh, dropping over time. So I set out to, uh, to log every single time I was on the computer and noticed that my speeds had dropped. I, I set out to log all of that over, over a long period of time so that I could have all my ducks in a row in, in case I needed to uh, go further with, with the problem.
2: And what kind of speed decreases were you seeing?
0: Well, I, w- I was paying for 12 megabit connectivity and getting oftentimes below one connectivity.
2: Wow. And so you you documented uh, in a log fashion. Did you feel it was necessary to record conversations or just to ha- to summarize it in, in your own text?
0: I summarized it in my own text, and I also used a uh, website that has a forum for DSL um, – uh, reviews and other people who are who have issues called DSLReports.com and I began posting out there every uh speed test that I ran and every communication that I had summarized.
2: And so you knew that you that your connection was capable of more um out in the uh, uh it wasn't like just that you were too far away from the D slam because you had previously experienced faster speeds.
0: Th- that's correct. A- almost every day um, i was getting great speeds until about 4 pm and uh, and then it would begin dropping and unfortunately for me i've Customers out on the West Coast, so I'm still working often after uh, 4 p.m. And, and need a connection to to stay reliable.
2: Right, and that's a phenomenon we usually associate with cable networks, which is explicitly a shared medium. And so, you know, as a as a tech person, I think you and I could guess that what's happening is they're just way oversubscribed between the, the DSLAM and their central office or somewhere along that route. That's correct. Yeah. And so that's something they could fix if they if they wanted to. And so despite your repeated calls and and logging this, um, you know, you weren't getting satisfaction. Uh, What was the the time frame in which this was happening?
0: Uh, I logged this over many months. Um, It uh, it went on for um, off the top of my head, I believe, at least uh, seven or eight months. And um, and at that point, that's uh, when I decided okay I I need to be doing more than than just logging I've I've got plenty of documentation now it's time for me to turn things up a notch. And so what did you do? I went on the internet to try and find out all of Windstream's um executives uh email addresses okay. and um and their uh, board of directors. So I sent an email to all of Windstream's executives and board of directors Uh, In a nutshell, telling them that I had logged all my stuff on the Internet for anyone to see for many months and that uh, they still did not have me fixed and that I would not stop until I do get
2: fixed. I'm sure that helps that you're a technical person, and so you could dispel any notions that it was a matter of you just having your computer taken over by bots or something. And And I'm also sure that you had a very civil and friendly tone in addressing them for sort of maximum responsibility.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I I looked at it from a standpoint of how would I like to be treated if I were on the other end and, and had never um, – Encountered me personally and I also, uh, worked from the standpoint of, of if, if we're not going to be professional, then we're never going to get anywhere. So, um, I stayed firm and I always, uh, repeated back the same things and, uh, and let them know that, uh, you know, even though I wasn't someone who was, who was (laughs) going crazy and shouting and, and whatnot over the phone, I was going to continue to put pressure on them until I got what I was paying for.
2: Right. So you you wrote to all the executives. Did you get any responses from them?
0: Uh, Yes, I did. I got uh, assigned a – I believe she was called a a case manager who contacted me and said uh, at that point that I didn't need to continue emailing uh, the executives that that she would handle um, everything with me from that point on and uh we began to uh have some communication back and forth to uh see what they could do to to get me resolved.
2: And how long did, did this go back and forth as uh, knowing the rest of the story I'm I'm pretty sure this hasn't this never solved your problem.
0: Um actually at that point I did get a resolution. Uh my local techs uh came out to my house at 8 p.m. in the evening um the day that uh she contacted me and said that uh, they had never uh, done work in the evenings because uh, they were never permitted to do that, but apparently uh, something had happened, and they were told to come to my house immediately. <laughs> so um, so at that point, um, they did get me fixed. Uh, however, it was only temporary. It lasted about uh, three months, and then the same issues started happening again.
2: Okay, and how did you resolve it then?
0: I went right back to the lady and emailed her. And at that point, I uh, did not get a response from her back. So I went back to emailing the executives again mm-hmm. and said, uh, Hi, it's me again. And, you know, sorry that uh, I'm uh, contacting you again, but uh, it is what it is. And and I'm not working again. And once again, I'm not going to stop and,
2: until I'm getting what I'm paying for. For me as I listen to this I just think these are these are great steps that anyone should be taking when they're in this situation. Um you know fundamentally I don't think companies like Windstream or Frontier um you know these are companies that simply don't have the resources to connect everyone. And so uh everyone that's in your situation should take these sorts of steps. Um, And in the hopes that that this record will be useful in terms of moving forward, it may not be just in terms of an immediate resolution of faster DSL, but it'll be useful, I think, in terms of a record for um, policy changes to, to bring in more options and that sort of thing. Sure. Sure. So so how did the uh, executives react this time? Did you uh, um get a limo and an air flight to meet with them personally?
0: <laughs> I, I wish I could say that I'm I think they they all know my name pretty well at this point, but um uh, at that point I I did not get a quick resolve. I was told at that point that uh yes, all of the area in which I live and and much of North Georgia was oversubscribed. And, uh, and that Windstream simply didn't have the funding to uh, add additional equipment and take care of everyone right away, and it was going to be uh, several more months before I would be fixed again.
2: And this is in the same time, of time that they're telling legislators in multiple states that they're going to solve everyone's problem and that there's no need for any sort of change, and uh, they're also lobbying at the federal level for more tax dollars and that sort of thing.
0: Yes, um, and that was something that I found out. I did some re research, and, uh, Vice President Biden had been to our area about, uh, internet connectivity of all things. And as I understood it, uh, Windstream had taken federal dollars, and, and yet, uh, I wasn't meeting anyone in North Georgia who could say that, uh, they had been fixed or had more stable internet.
2: Right. So at what point did you approach the media? Did you take more actions or did you at this point start thinking, I need to get more people aware of the situation?
0: The next thing I did was contact state agencies, uh, which at that point, I didn't even know what agencies would would address this. So I began researching on on the internet and and trying to find out uh, who I could speak with and And at some point, I just decided, you know what, I'll contact all the ones that I think uh, may be remotely involved with Internet. So I contacted the Better Business Bureau uh, in my state. I contacted the Governor's Office of uh, Consumer Affairs, and uh, I also contacted what uh, we call in Georgia the PSC, who uh, is involved with a lot of the utilities in Georgia as well
2: right the public service commissioner in other states the uh, public utility commission or something along those yes. lines and so did you f- just find email addresses and start asking questions of them um, yes okay
0: yes i i um i sent them all emails and gave them links on the internet to my post showing how long this had been going on and uh asked them to review all of it and open an investigation or tell me who can Open an investigation and start looking into this because I was one of, of hundreds of people that are affected.
2: And how did you did you get responses from all the agencies, or get a sense of how to proceed?
0: Yes, I did. I got uh, I got a response back uh, uh, from a couple agencies, uh, as well as the FCC. I forgot to mention that one, saying that uh, they would look into it. And uh, the one that was the most responsive was the Governor's Office of Consumer Protection. They, um, they responded back and told me that they had opened a case and asked me to uh, keep uh, a lot of our communication between each other confidential, which uh, I'm still doing to this day as, as the case is still open.
2: And you also at some point found a Facebook group. When, when does this tie into here?
0: Yes, um at that point, actually, when I had contacted all the agencies, I found a Facebook group that was started by another guy here in Georgia named mark wyatt who who was also upset and going through the very same issues I was going through and uh, he had created this Facebook group originally uh, as he told me he thought you know he'd be happy if he if he pulled in uh fifty people to to talk with and and, and discuss the issue with. And, uh, Mark and I, uh, at that point started, uh, working together jointly to, um, pass on information to anyone who joined the group and, and to also, um, ask our Facebook friends to share the group out, uh, so that other people who were affected could, could join the group. And I, I believe at this point we're, we're approaching 300 people and have, uh, have been able to uh, get a lot of people to file complaints as well and and make a lot of noise with us.
2: The coup of all of your efforts really came next, as far as at least the person from Minnesota watching is concerned, um, <laughs> which was a, a terrific video on local news. Um, can you tell us how you became uh, sort of acquainted with Jeff Cherico, the local re- investigative reporter, and, and how you worked with him?
0: At that point, uh, I had... Uh emails that I had sent to uh, the other state agencies. So I had a lot of detail and, and uh, had it summarized pretty well what I had been going through along with all the links that I had uh, added in to uh, tell people where to go to see all the all the speed tests I've been running over, over time and so forth. So um, I then went out on the Internet and found all of my local news media Uh, websites, uh, so all the major TV stations uh, in Atlanta, and uh, searched for who all the investigative reporters were, and compiled all of their email addresses into one email, and then I sent out an email to all of them at the same time, and essentially said, I have a story about bad internet, and I represent hundreds of people in Georgia who are affected, uh, please look at all the history here, and uh, and essentially told them uh, the first wh- person to contact me back with uh, interest in the story, I will give uh, exclusive rights to, and uh, and waited for one of them to contact me back, and sure enough, uh, Jeff Jericho was the guy who took me up on it, and uh, and we began working together
2: from there. How long did that take?
0: Um, uh, Jeff contacted me back uh, pretty quickly. I would say, within a week of uh, of me
2: sending that email out. You you actually helped him to craft an interesting story. What sort of advice did you give him?
0: I told him that it that it might be fruitful to uh, pose as a a person who has just come to Dawsonville looking to get internet service at home and uh, and see what uh, what he would run into by by going and asking questions uh, about establishing Internet as a, as a new resident in our county.
2: And so his, his, whoever he had do it uh, was mic'd up and had a little camera, and uh, they get, were promised by Windstream connection speeds of uh, in excess of 6 megabits, I think, or was it actually up to 12? Um, at any rate, it was uh, an amount that they've clearly not been able to deliver with reliability to many addresses.
0: Yes, yeah, that's correct. They, I didn't know exactly how they were going to go about it, um, but they did that as well as going around to uh, some businesses in the community and interviewed other other residents of the community as well to ask them what they thought of, of their Windstream service.
2: And all of this coverage came out at just the right time when uh, Windstream was um, trying to basically lock out any sort of competition it might face by preventing any communities from being able to to invest in their own networks. So what's happened since then?
0: After Jeff interviewing one of Windstream's executives um, we were given a, a map of the state and told by Windstream that they would have two-thirds of the state uh, fixed by the end of 2013 and uh, some customers would not be fixed possibly not even in
2: 2014. And by um, fixed you mean they would be getting what had been advertised to them? Exactly.
0: Yeah, getting getting the speeds that that they're they're paying for. Of you know, of course, you know we have problems with weather and and small outages like that. But uh, but you know we were we were talking about you know just simply getting uh, the speed that we're paying for on a fairly consistent basis.
2: Right, and so you you've been fortunate enough that you've seen a a, a return to what you expect to get. Right.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, I suspect with all the noise that I was making that uh, I was most likely put on the list to be fixed pretty quickly. Um, In fact, uh, when I went to the state capitol to speak out against the bill that uh, they were trying to propose, um, right after I spoke and the hearing ended, one of Windstream's executives approached me there personally uh, to tell me that,
2: um, it was uh, nice to meet you in person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: not, not exactly. She just said, uh, she would do everything she could to get me fixed right away.
2: And, um,
0: and so yes, my, my speeds have improved, uh, and they've been doing good here for at least the last month. I haven't been testing it on a, on a consistent basis like before, because I've been traveling a lot with work, but, um, I have told them that, uh, even though my speeds have improved, um, don't think for a second that I'm not documenting any anything else that happens.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I think it's 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 a perfectly instructive campaign of of what a person can do. Uh, you know, you document as much as you can. Uh, you know, you have to make some noise. You look after, look out to the government, which is supposed to be holding some of these companies um, feet to the fire in terms of not just lying to the market um, and uh, making sure that they don't get away with any more um, sort of protectionist bills in the in the state. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Is there is there anything else that we should know about this story?
0: Uh, I would just like to encourage anyone who uh, might be listening to this uh, for the first time and and thinking that. Uh, uh, this is a lot to do that um, uh, if you look out over over the period of time that I have here, um, it wasn't as much to do as it sounds. Um, uh, a lot of time uh, occurred or went by while I've been taking all of these steps, and, and uh, I would encourage them to uh, uh, just not give up. Uh, don't back down don't give up and uh as you and I discussed uh, stay professional cuz that that helps both sides as well
2: right well thank you so much for taking the time to to come on the show and really thank you for being an engaged citizen who's trying to make the world a better place
0: absolutely uh glad to help and uh and I also uh just want to uh thank the others in Georgia who've also jumped on with us and and helped us make more noise
1: to watch the video about Mark and Windstream's false claims, go to muninetworks.org and follow the HB 282 2013 tag. That tag will take you to more stories about the bill in the Georgia legislature. Thanks again for listening to the Broadband Bits podcast. If there are issues related to telecommunications that pique your interest, we welcome your suggestions for future shows. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Community Nets. This show was released on October 22nd, 2013. Thank you to the group Mud Honey for their song, The Neutral, licensed using Creative Commons. And thank you for listening.
0: I